I just told the men when we prayed for my mom and dad. Uh, mom went to uh, the ER uh, after midnight last night or so at Queens, and um, they think she has sepsis, the beginning parts of sepsis, the beginning stages of sepsis. So they, the ER doctor there was, was very positive that they caught it early, and uh, they're treating it. She's already had three, or she's having her third round of antibiotics um, right about now, or she did already. <clears throat> and they'll get the blood culture back in a few days. So she's staying in the hospital, and they're waiting for a room. Uh, so the prayer points are, pray that the antibiotics work to knock out the sepsis, which is an infection of the blood. Is that, am I saying that right, Brother Art? Infection in the blood or infection of the blood? In the blood. In the blood. In fact, so, in so the it's limited. Probably from her liver. Hospital. Get mom to the hospital in Houston earlier than the appointment that is set now. She is set to have a, her first appointment there March 5th or 6th. But that's a good ways out. Even though it's just a few weeks away, for her condition, she needs to be seen earlier. Uh, so the good news there is that she was accepted in that hospital um, in Texas, and they are they are willing to use uh, other treatments than just standards. So they're they're focused on healing, and so we thank God for that. Just pray that she can get in a little earlier, uh, in fact, a bit earlier, quite a bit earlier in March. So let's let's pray for for them now. Also, um, Brother Luke's wife, Emily, is, has offered to set up a GoFundMe account uh, for mom and dad. Uh, their Samaritan ministry will cover all of the medical expenses. Um, and we're thankful for that. But they will also be doing a lot of out-of-pocket as they travel uh, between here and, and there. And uh, it will be nice for them to be able to not have to worry about Once um, she sets that up, uh, we will post that information on the church Facebook page, and you can give that way to them, um, so it goes directly to them. And also, um, you can share that uh, with others as well as prayer requests. Yeah, as well as prayer requests. Okay, well, let's pray for them as we start the service today. Father, we thank you that uh, you are the God that. Heareth prayer, and we praise you for that. We thank you that we can come to the throne of grace in the name of Jesus Christ. And we ask you, Father, to uh, allow the antibiotics to work <clears throat> in in my mom's body to kill the, the bad things that are harming her. And we ask you to give healing, Father. We pray that, that you would allow her to get an earlier appointment at the Houston Hospital and get the cancer treatment center there. And we pray that, that you would do what only you can do beyond, far beyond anything doctors can do. Thank you for that. But we pray that you would do far beyond anything doctors can do. And that through all of this, you would continue using my mom to be faithful witness for Jesus, as she already has, uh, even last week when she was first diagnosed with cancer, already being uh, a sweet testimony for Jesus Christ. And we pray you would uphold both of them, both mom and dad, and uphold them with your grace and with your mercy. And again, I pray, give them the peace of passive understanding that no man can come up with, and that this world cannot even comprehend but is only in Christ. We pray you give them that peace. And we pray that we as a church will uh, demonstrate to them our love and appreciation, uh, not only for being our fellow saints, but for all of their faithful service to this church. Through 30 plus years, we ask that you would guide us in showing us how to be a blessing to them in real ways. And in addition to praying Father, we ask your blessing on the rest of the service today. We pray that you be glorified in it. 
Help us to listen to the word of God and heed it. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.
ending, I'm going to ask one of you men to grab Frank. Give it some prayer, please. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for a wonderful morning you've given us today. We give all uh, thank you for uh, for the time, for the chances that you've given us to gather here in your house and pray for your uh, pray your pray in your name for your glory, Lord. Keep us um, keep keep the keep keep the enemy off us that he may not disturb. Uh, the service that we're gonna we're about to do this morning. And for each and every one of us, may you guide us and listen to your word mm. through uh Pastor Nathan. So may that after the service we may can we may leave this place that our hearts are in peace and uh, in your name Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.
don't have it, we get some on the, the that fire cabinet out back there. Uh, we're saying uh, the love of God. Now we arrange it a little bit different, so not normally it's a song like it's been sung. Song is originally arranged in three three quarters, but we I rearranged it in four quarters. So uh, if if we pass the the, the second uh, measure, then we'll be do we'll, we'll find the rest of it. The love of God. Chapter 11. We are going to 
continue reading at verse 1, down to verse 8. The Bible says, Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot. And Gilead begat Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah, and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren, and dwelt in the land of Tob. And there were gathered vain men to Jephthah, and went out with him. And it came to pass in process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not ye hate me and expel me out of my father's house? And why are you come unto me now? When you're in distress. Look at verse 8. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us, and fight against the children of Ammon, and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. In the Bible, before there were kings of Israel, beginning with, of course, you had Saul and then David and then Solomon and other kings after that. In the Bible, before they had kings, they did have certain leaders which were judges. And that's why the book of Judges is called Judges because it's about the judges of the nation of Israel. Now, Jephthah was the ninth judge. And here we have in this passage the elders of Gilead. They want Jephthah to lead them against the children of Ammon. And I want you to focus on verse 8 because that's where I'm going to spend most of my time on in verse 8. In verse 8 there are some things there that the elders of Gilead, they looked to Jephthah for. Uh, they, in time of trouble, they turned to him. And there's four things in that verse that we're going to focus on. And the things in verse 8 that I want you to see about Jephthah are actually similar to Jesus Christ in some ways. Our relationship to Jesus Christ, the things that we look to Jesus Christ for, the, the we know that Jesus Christ, you know, he's he has different attributes in the Bible as, as well as God the Father, but we know that Jesus Christ, it talks about him as being the Lord and the Savior and the Judge and all of these things in the Bible, uh, but there are some other things that sometimes are are overlooked that I'm going to talk about Jesus Christ and Jephthah here he matches some of these similarities and number one I want you to see that Jesus Christ is look again look at verse 8 again it says and the elders of Gilead sent unto Jephthah therefore we turn again to thee now so they're looking to Jephthah for some help and not just help but they're Consulting him. So number one, there is Jephthah or Jesus Christ, you could say, is the is a consultant. He's a consultant, or at least he should be. They consulted Jephthah as soon as they were in trouble. Now, the mistake that a lot of people make is that they don't want God's help until they get into a mess, until they're in trouble, until they're distressed. That's what happened here. They actually Look at verse 1. It says, Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor. We see about David's men, David's mighty men. Uh, here he's similar to that. A mighty man of valor. He's a good man. He has a good reputation. And he was the son of a harlot in spite of that. And Gilead begat Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bare him sons. And it goes on. And, and it says, you look at the middle of verse 2. Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. And they basically said, we, you know, we, we don't want anything to do with you. Your bloodline is corrupt. We don't want anything to do with you. you get out of here. And then all of a sudden they get into some trouble with their enemies. And they remember, Jephthah, 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 he's a mighty man of valor. We need him. We, the elders of Israel said, we need somebody to help us with our enemies. I know, but Jephthah, let's consult Jephthah. Many times people, 
they don't want Jesus Christ to be involved in their life. Right. But then when it comes in times of trouble and they become desperate, they say, you know what? Nobody can help me. I need to run to the person who can help me, and that's Jesus Christ. Do you turn to Jesus Christ in time of trouble? Or do you turn to the world and the friends and the and all of these other sources that are out there, these, these worldly substitutes? Now, it's not always wrong to consult man. It's not always wrong to get, get advice from people. In fact, the Bible says that we should sometimes. Uh, keep your place here because we're going to turn back to this passage. But I want you to look at a few verses. Go to Proverbs chapter 11. In Proverbs chapter 11, it actually recommends that you get counsel and advice from people sometimes. So there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. Proverbs chapter 11, I want you to look at verse 14. It says, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Go to Proverbs chapter 20. Let's look at another verse where it talks about counsel and advice from people. Not just from God, but from people. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18 says this. Every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. Uh, politicians should get counsel and advice before making a, a big drastic decision like going to war. It just said right there, with good advice, make war. Uh, there's nothing wrong with getting good advice from good people at certain times. Children should get advice from their parents. In fact, it's a good idea to get advice from your parents even after you're grown, a grown adult. <laughs> what woman in here who had the, her, the, her first child never uh, asked her mother for advice <laughs> about little, little babies and little kids and things that they go through? Uh, a young man should um, look to his father for advice when, it, when he embarks on the world and has to make some important decisions, financial decisions, things like that. There's nothing wrong with getting advice from people. It's, all, it's always a good idea to get advice from your pastor, especially in the matter of spiritual issues. And the Bible says that it's good to get advice from certain people. But here's what you should not do. You should not only consult people and never consult God. That's when you're going to get into some trouble. Some people, they, they, have, uh, they look to somebody who's important in their life and has been, made a good influence, a good impact on their life. Somebody in the ministry. And many, many people, many church members have been hurt because they set their favorite pastor or their favorite teacher or, or somebody too high up on a, on a pedestal. And then that man <clears throat> fell. He had what they call in the ministry a moral failure. And then they were hurt. And th many, many, there are many people who were church members who are out of church today. And their faith has even sometimes been destroyed. Their faith in God and their faith in the Bible. Because some man in the ministry that they almost idolized. They... they put him too, uh, too high up to his preeminence too high and they thought oh man if this guy fell then he's a fraud uh the whole church is is it's it's fake it's phony all churches are like this i'm not going to believe in the bible i'm not even going to believe in god because look they're just a bunch of hypocrites that happens that happens well what was the problem well obviously the problem was with that man who failed but there's another problem there's an underlying problem is that that church member that christian did not grow in the faith enough to understand that the bible says it is better to trust in the lord than to put confidence in man yeah. it's better to trust in the lord than to put confidence in man many great men in the bible have fallen yeah no man is perfect and so when you only resort to getting advice from a certain man and allowing and bypassing God, that's where the problem comes in. <clears throat> I think some people, they don't consult God and the Word of God because they're afraid they won't like the answer. <clears throat> Turn to Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. 
Isaiah chapter 30. Look at verse 9. That this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. Verse 10, which say to the seers, it's another name for a prophet, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. They don't like the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. They reject the truth. They want to hear something that's pleasing to the ear. They don't want to consult Jesus Christ because they may not like what he has to say. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And there is a lot of ungodly counsel out there. It's right there at your fingertips. Just get on your cell phone, your computer. What should I do in this situation? And there's many people out there who are willing to give you some bad advice. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I've come come across uh, just articles and things like that where people asking questions. What should I do in this situation? And you and people these different. I don't know what they. I guess they call them. Well, not chat rooms, but stuff where you can you can somebody just an anonymous person can ask a question, and then anybody can just chime in and give their advice. And you read some of these things and think, what? What? Are you crazy? Why would you give that person that advice? That's certainly not what the Bible says. That's not good advice. That's not a good moral advice. That's not even good sound common sense. It goes against scripture. The counsel of the ungodly. Why do people give bad advice? Because they're not consulting the source of truth. The Bible. The word of God. Jesus Christ. I remember at the hotel that I worked at years ago there was one of these famous psychics that came and had a seminar at one of the rooms at uh, Turtle Bay for people to come and listen to her and she was famous for going and having these seminars around the country and going on appearing on TV and all of that and of course I was skeptical and, and when I was talking to her and she knew it I was you know, I had to be professional. I'm working, but at the same time, I'm not going to be dishonest. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, she was trying to prove me wrong. And she said, "Well, how's your how's your car running?" I said, "Great." And she said, "Well, you know, there's something wrong with your car, so you know, keep an eye on it. Something's going to happen pretty soon." She said, "How's your tooth? Your tooth still bothering you?" I said, no, I just went to the dentist last week and had a checkup, and they said everything's fine. She said, yeah, there's, there's something going on with your tooth, so just kind of be aware. And I thought, boy, that's, that's really some looking into the future. I'm going to have car problems and dental problems. Well, what person is not eventually? I can, I can predict your future. Your, your car is going to give you some problems in the future. Yeah, hello, that's, that's what cars do. Uh, you're going to have a, a tooth problem uh, sometime in the future. Yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> yeah, isn't everybody? And that's predicting the future? Oh, man, my car broke down a year later. She was right. She is a psychic. <laughs> and then she asked me where the restroom was. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wait a minute. So you can go around the country and reveal all these secrets to all these people and you don't even have the ability to, to know where the bathroom is? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Years ago, I was in New Orleans walking around downtown in the French Quarter. There's this area, this park, this public square on the weekends. You know what I saw? Several, not just one, not just two, but I mean, about 10 different people set up with signs, palm readers, palm readers. And there's people sitting down with somebody reading their palm, and they're paying this person money to tell them about their life and what's going to happen and some giving them some counsel by looking at wrinkles and lines on their hand. Oh, this line means... You, you're, you're going on this path right now and then, and then the line goes this way so that means 
There's going to be a dramatic change in your life in the future. You're, you're going to change your career. And then you're going to start going this direction in your life. And then this line means that uh, something good's going to happen. And then, Are you kidding me? And they're paying money for this. What is that? That's counsel of the ungodly. When the Bible has the truth right here, but people don't want it. People. People will, will resort and stoop down to that type of foolishness before they will consult the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ. Consultant. Consultant. You know, only God has all the right answers. There are good people that will give you good advice. There are good godly people. There are people that can give you good legal advice. Lawyers. Although some of them will want to just take your money. But there are people that will give good advice. However, it is only God who has all the right answers. Like I said, the Bible says it's better trust in the Lord than put confidence in man. So Jesus Christ should be a consultant. A consultant. When you need advice, pray. Pray. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth all men liberally, and it braideth not, it shall be given to him. I remember I had a, a friend of mine, he was in this dilemma, and he was asking me about what he should do with this particular situation, and I asked him, I said, well, what do you think God thinks about it? What do you think that God wants you to do? And he said, well, I don't know. And I asked him, well, have you prayed about it? He answered, no. I, I asked him, well, why not? He said, well, I don't know. Why not? Oh man, there's this 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 decision. I don't know what to do, and and I can't find the right advice. And this I'm in this dilemma, and I don't know what to do. And oh man, it's just been bothering bother, bugging me and bothering me, and I've been losing sleep over it. And he hasn't even asked God for advice about what he should do. When the Bible says, "If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God." And he didn't even do that. Didn't even do that. Why not? He said, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think he knew why he did it. I think instinctively he knew what the answer was, and he wanted a different answer. I think many people sometimes, they know what the right thing is, but they don't want to do it. Because it's inconvenient or it doesn't appeal to their flesh or whatever the answer is. And they want to, they go to somebody else because they want some, some reinforcement to, to what they want to do. And they want to hear somebody. They want to, this confirmation. Oh, well, he said, he's, that's, that's what I want to do. I see, I asked this person. I don't like that answer. I'm looking for somebody who's going to tell me what I want to hear that, that, con that will just confirm what I want to do, even though I instinctively know it's not the right thing to do. That's what a lot of people do. That's the flesh. That's the flesh. Okay, number two. Go back to Judges. Let's look at another way that Jephthah was similar to Jesus Christ in, in some things that they looked at him for. Uh, Judges. Judges chapter 12. I'm sorry, Judges chapter 11. Judges chapter 11, uh, if you have a bookmarker or a little a pen or something, I, I guess I need to do that myself. Keep, uh, keep that there so we can continue to reference our passage in our text. Judges chapter 11, verse 8. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, number two, that thou mayest go with us. That thou mayest go with us. They looked to Jephthah, they said, Jephthah, we need you on our side. We need you as an ally. Jephthah, we need you to go with us. And so Jesus Christ is not just a consultant, and he's not just Lord, and he's not just Savior, and all of those, but you know what, it, it's more personal than that. Jesus Christ actually should be your companion. Your friend, your friend. Yes, yes. You say what? I mean, that's isn't that kind of irreverent? Isn't that lowering Jesus Christ to the the level of a human? Uh, well, you know, the Bible 
actually says, go to John, keep your place here, go to John chapter 15. And look what Jesus Christ himself said about this. Uh, because we know that Jesus Christ, you know, he's the creator and he's deity and he's God in the flesh and he's all those great wonderful things and he's all powerful and omnipotent and omnipresent and omniscient and uh, he's, he's God, he's all of these, he's the judge, he's the Lord, he's going to be king and all of that. But look what he said in John chapter 15 when he was here on the earth. John chapter 15, beginning of verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. I have called you friends. Jesus Christ calling his own disciples friends. Friends, a companion, a companion. The Bible says there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's one of the reasons why in our hymnal, there's a lot of hymns that talk about Jesus Christ as being our friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. I, I have found a friend and all of these uh, who is all to me. Yeah, I have found found a friend who is all to me, and uh, that 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 um, hymn that says "Saved, Saved, Saved." All of these things. What a friend we have in Jesus, and Jesus, a uh, friend of sinners. Uh, the Bible even says that they they accuse him of being a friend of publicans and sinners. <laughs> a friend, a friend. Why? Well, because. To some people, he did show himself friendly. A companion, a companion. Jephthah was not just looked at as a consultant, but a companion. They said, go with us, go with us, come with us. We need you on our side. You know, the Bible says when God created Adam, it says, it is, it is not good that the man should be alone. It is not good that man should be alone. And so he created Eve for Adam. But you know, if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior... Spiritually speaking, he is not your friend Amen. in a spiritual sense. In fact, the Bible says before somebody gets saved, they are the enemy of God. Mm -hmm. And James says, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Mm -hmm. So spiritually speaking, if you are not saved, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and we say your personal Savior, not just recognizing him as the Savior, as the, per, the man the, who died on a cross 2,000 years ago, not just believing that this historical event occurred. You know, a lot of times people before they're saved, even if they believe Jesus Christ died for their sins, it's not personal to them. They, they're not trusting that for their salvation. Before I was saved, I, I acknowledged that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, but I, I, I looked at it more like, okay, uh, Abraham Lincoln when he was assassinated. You know, oh yeah, it's, 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 it was tragic and it, it's unfortunate, but that doesn't really personally affect me and my life. It's just an event in history. You understand? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people, even if they're somewhat religious, uh, before they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, that's kind of how they look at the, the crucifixion of Christ. Oh, it, he was a good man. And, and these bad people killed him, and he was kind of like a martyr. But that was 2,000 years ago. And what does it have to do with me today? Some people have that mindset. Mm -hmm. But once you get saved, you don't think like that. When you're saved, you think, that's what paid for my sins. That's what gave me eternal life. That's what gives me the purpose for living. That's what I base my salvation on. And, and Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, and God's word, and all of those things, that, that's like the Apostle Paul, he said, for me to live is Christ. But until you get saved, the Bible says you're in the world without hope and without God alone. 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 Lonely. Without Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ... Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. He wants to have fellowship. 
in the prison ministry, I've often asked some of the inmates, what's the most difficult part of being incarcerated? And many of them, they answer, it's being separated from my family. Those who have family, kids, wife and kids. The, the hardest thing in here is not being able to be with my, my family, especially my kids and my wife. That's, that's the most difficult part. Loneliness. Loneliness. It's not good that the man should be alone. And not only did God send Eve to Adam, but spiritually speaking, he sent his own son down to die for the sins of the world. And the Bible says that he calls his own disciples friends. Friends. Companion. Companion. There's going to come a time when you're going to feel alone. Even if you are saved, you might feel alone. You might be in that, that dark valley in life. And you're going you're gonna to feel like Jesus Christ when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But the Bible says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He gave us that promise, a companion. Number three, I want you to go back to Judges. I want you to see there's another way that Jephthah was like Jesus Christ, or, or at least how we should view him and some of the, um, the roles he plays. I want you to look at Judges chapter 11, verse 8. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon. Jesus Christ, just like Jephthah, they looked at him as a contender, a contender. The Bible says earnestly contend for the faith. What does that mean to contend? It means to strive. It means to compete. It means to fight. You know, in, in boxing, they say in the left, in the red corner, we have the, the contender. Okay, what is he doing? He's a fighter. He's going to fight. He's a contender. Contending, contending. And the Bible says all through the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, God was telling the nation of Israel, the Lord will fight for you when you go into this land that I promised you. And I'm telling you to go in this land and, and you're going to have opposition. I'm giving you this land. I'm giving this land to possess and there's going to be your enemies in there. They're going to come against you and you're going to be outnumbered and they're going to be stronger than you. They're going to have superior weaponry and all of that. And you're going to be tempted to be afraid and run away. And he says, the Lord will fight for you. A contender, a contender, fight. The, the, the Bible says that the Lord, he was going to fight the Amalekites and the Canaanites in the promised land. Remember the spies? They went out to spy out the land of Canaan, and it says they came back with an evil report. All of them except uh, Joshua and Caleb. And those spies, they said, oh, man, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's, man, it's like it's, it's heaven on earth. It's paradise. But... There's giants in the land. We, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. They're so big and so strong and so mighty. They're, gonna, they're just going to wipe us out. We don't stand a chance. And they complained and cried. Oh, Moses, uh, why did you lead us in here? You were just doing this so that we'll be killed. And No faith, no faith. And what happened? They didn't go in. And I said, Moses said, okay, fine, God is mad at you. You're not going to go in. You're not going to have this land. Then they changed their mind. Okay, okay, we're going to go in now. He said, no, it's too late. You already disobeyed God. You, he's not going to protect you if you go in now. And some of them still tried to go in there. What happened? <laughs> they got killed. They missed a blessing. They were defeated because they missed a blessing because they did not look to God to fight the battle for them like he told them. There may be times in your life where you're going to feel utterly helpless. You feel like nobody's able to help you. The doctors, they can't help you. The pastor, he can't help you. Your friends can't help you. They can pray for you, and sometimes that's, all, that's, sometimes that's the only thing that people can do, is pray, and maybe to help you out financially or something. And you're going to need to rely on God to fight that battle for you. Yeah. And you know the Bible says we have an advocate. Amen. Jesus Christ is our advocate. Yes. 
He contends for us. He fights for us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Amen. That we have that as Jesus Christ, our Savior. Last of all, go to Judges again, chapter 11, verse 8. And look at the, the last phrase there. Not only that, here's the last thing they wanted out of Jephthah. And be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. A captain. A captain. Look at verse 6. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain. Be our captain. <clears throat> Look at verse 11. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord in this book. A captain. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, it calls Jesus Christ the captain of our salvation. That's a military <coughs> title. You guys, Marines, right? <laughs> a captain? Uh, that's pretty high rank, isn't it? And the Bible says that they looked to Jephthah, they made him captain over them. A captain, a chief, a leader, a military commander. What does a captain do? Well, one of the things he does in here, he gives orders, does he not? Does a captain give, give orders? And Jephthah, he gave them orders. He led them. He became one of the judges. Do you look to Jesus Christ to be your captain? You should. If you're saved, he's your captain. The Bible likens Christians to soldiers. It says, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And you know, sometimes in battle, there have been in, in history, different wars you can read about, some soldiers, they sometimes, when they're given orders in, in war and combat, they don't understand why they're being given those orders. They sometimes don't agree with those orders. But you know God and the Bible, he always gives the correct orders, the right orders. Even if we don't understand why he's commanding us certain things in the Bible, even sometimes we may not agree with it. How many of you, as children growing up, how many of you always agreed with what your parents told you not to do? How many of you understood the reasoning behind their instructions? Oh, I don't agree with that. Oh, that's not fair. Oh, why do they, why do they tell me why I can't do this? Oh, the other kids get to do it. Oh, why can't I do that? Oh, mom and dad, they're so out of touch with reality. They're, mom and, they're too strict. They're so dumb. They don't, they don't know. They don't understand what I'm going through. They don't understand these you know, the, these trends and fashions and fads and all the other kids, what they're, what, they don't understand. They're so old and they're just, and the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, right? Right. <laughs> you know, you can look back in, back in the generations and it's kind of, things just repeat themselves, these different fads and fashions and all of that. Um, and then you become parents and you tell your same, the same thing to your own kids, right? And the kids have the same reaction. And Christians, people say, well, why does the Bible say this? Well, why does the Bible, why did God say that we can't do this? And why does the Bible say, and what about this over here? And why in the Old Testament did, and sometimes those those questions are valid, and sometimes there's good answers for those questions, but there's sometimes that I read the Bible and I, and I, I, I just don't understand why this, and why this, and why does God allow some of the things that he allows? And there's some things that we will never understand in this life about why God allows certain things to happen. Because there are some terrible, terrible things that happen in this world. And if I had the power, and if I was there and I was witnessing some of these things, I would do everything within my power to stop it. And God sits there on his throne in heaven and looks down and allows some of these things to happen. And that's one of the common arguments against the existence of God. The atheist says, well, if God does exist, why would he allow these terrible things to happen like he does? Good question. Good question. But you know, the Bible says that 
Abraham said, shall not the judge of the, all the earth do right? And yes, he did right. And you could read the book of Job. You, Job, Job was mad at God. Job thought that he was being treated unfairly. And God finally answered Job. You know, yet Job's comforters, they, these guys, these so-called friends, well, Job, there must be some secret sin in your life that we're not aware of because we know that God doesn't allow stuff like this to happen to the righteous people. And look how you're suffering and all of that. And Job said, you guys are miserable comforters. And then, and then Job was upset, and then finally God spoke to Job. It's my life. I'm going to live my life the way I see fit. I don't want somebody telling me what to do. A captain involves authority. It involves leadership. And it involves, on our part, obedience. Mm -hmm. And people want to be their own boss. I've watched numerous atheist debates. And there's one prominent figure in the atheist community who I have heard many, many times in all different angles of the debate about well, did Jesus really exist? Did he really rise from the dead? Is there really a God? And what about this? And what about this? And, and just every angle and all these different arguments. And every time somebody debates him and they give all this evidence, he says, well, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. That's not convincing enough for me. And he says that the reason why he's an atheist is because there's not enough evidence to convince him to the contrary. And I remember one debate where they were talking about, is there a purpose to life? Is there an ultimate purpose, or is it just all just random, just meaningless, and just a big cosmic accident? And one man who was debating for the existence of God was trying to argue, yes, there is a purpose for life, and that... The part, there's a true purpose and meaning, and God is the the one who gives us the, the purpose and meaning for our life. And the atheist, he said this, which was, which was very telling. It was very revealing. Because up until now, it was all just evidence-based. There's not enough evidence. And then he said, and even if there is a purpose, a God-given purpose, it doesn't matter because it's my life. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Up until now, it was just, oh, well, it was just a lack of evidence, and that's, but all of a sudden, it became personal. Now, wait a minute. If there is a God, and he has a meaning and a purpose for your life, and it happens to be contrary to what you want, wouldn't it be more reasonable and rational to follow that person's meaning and purpose for your life since he's the one who created you and he's all-knowing and he loves you and wants the best for you? It doesn't matter because it's my life. That's the mindset of a lot of people. And sometimes they just don't, they won't admit it. But that's one of the reasons why many people don't get saved. Because they don't want somebody telling them what to do. They want to live their life the way they see fit, what pleases them. It's a matter of authority. It's a matter of authority. They might want Jesus as their Savior. They don't want him as their Lord and Savior. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We started out by looking at Jephthah being basically kicked out of the house, in a sense. His whole his own family and, and the people of Israel rejecting him. And then in a time of trouble, they came running to him for him to rescue them. In a way that's good, in a way it's bad. They they should have uh, looked to him from the beginning before they ever came into that period of trouble in their life. And it's the same with people today. It's the same with and Christians. They should look to Jesus Christ before they come into trouble. Instead of 
waiting till the last minute till they're desperate to run and oh now I want you I didn't want you when everything was fine when my life was smooth when I didn't have any problems only now in this desperate situation now I want you in my life I'd like to close with this if you don't know Jesus Christ as your consultant your companion your contender your captain your Lord and Savior uh, today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You can get saved today by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior through faith, by trusting in Him, His payment that He made on the cross, dying for your sins, rising from the dead, and He wants you to be saved. He wants to, to be all these different persons in your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you once again for the lessons that you've given us through this passage with uh, Jephthah. I pray that if there's um, anybody here today who uh, they haven't been taking advantage of these, these great wonderful things that is offered to us through Jesus Christ in salvation and they maybe they never look to Jesus Christ as the, the way that have been presented this morning that they would have a, a fresh view of, of who he actually is and who he wants to be in their life. He wants to be personal to them. I pray also if there's somebody here who maybe they, they've never been saved, they've never, they're not even a Christian or they don't know what it means to be a Christian, I pray that they would understand that um, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. And I pray that you would make it clear to them that Jesus Christ died for their sins, that they need to be saved by not trusting their own good works, but they need salvation through Jesus Christ. And they need their sins washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.